0: Today on the Thinking Leader podcast, I'm going to talk with my colleague Marcus Dimbleby about his viral post on consultants, reinforcing our core belief that the key to success in any organization is real simple. Don't outsource thinking. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby.
0: Welcome to another episode of The Thinking Leader. Marcus, what do you want to talk about today, sir?
1: I'd like to talk about why you should or shouldn't hire consultants and the post that I have recently done on LinkedIn, which is kind of going ballistic right now.
0: Oh yeah, I love this. This is the one. Let's put it up on the screen here. So for, for those of you who are listening, we'll put it, we'll put a link in the show notes. But it's it's Marcus shared this cartoon. And it shows a a Viking ship that is filled with a boardroom table with, it looks like, uh, 13, 14 business folks sitting around the table. And in the very back of the ship, there's one poor guy rowing. And the, the boss sitting at the head of the table in the tallest chair at the bow of the ship says, maybe we should hire a consultant to figure out why production has slowed down. Marcus why did you post this
1: a friend of mine sent this to me knowing what my response to it would be and obviously sat back and watched the uh, the flames go and i posted <laughs> this because in my comment to this was you know maybe we should hire a consultant and my initial comment was or oh, maybe you shouldn't because when you look at that scenario it it's obvious what the problem is and and I'm not generalizing about all consultants, okay? We're talking here, the big consultancies. You know, you bring one of those individual groups in and tell them you have a problem. If they see this kind of problem you've got, they're not going to provide you the solution. They're not going to tell you to just take, guys, take a look. Here's what you need to do. We're not going to charge you for this. It's free on us. See you later. We know that they're going to have to conduct a deep dive. We're going to have to study this problem, do some analysis. We'll probably have to go going to go down to the lower decks and see what's going on down there and see why there's nobody rowing the boat. And the one poor person that is, we'll talk to him and find out what he thinks and you know why. And then we'll come back with some more proposals and we'll probably bring some of our own people in to help row the boat a little bit more so we get some experience. Absolutely.
0: A large team, I would say. A something. very
1: large team. Because instead of having one person doing two rows, they could have one person put oar oh, and then double the numbers. And Extend that and keep giving. Well, you they're not going to actually row, though. These are consultants. Let's be clear. Not, of course not. they're, they're going to stand probably next need to the poor guy the orc. going slowly <laughs> around in circles. Yes, yeah. And the whole purpose was, you know, just to say, as we like to say, don't outsource thinking. You know, a lot of the problems organizations are facing today, while they may seem complex, while they may seem hard to understand, somebody somewhere and a collective of those people will be able to come up with not often the answer, but certainly some ideas, some innovative solutions and proposals to get the answers that you need. And if you sit inside your echo chamber of the boardroom and aren't aware and think, do you know what we need to call McKinkey or whoever else, then you shouldn't be no, surprised. Wait, 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 let's not hold back here. McKinsey, <laughs> Deloitte, McKinsey, Ernst and Young. KPMG. What's the names? Exactly. They're all famous right now. There's enough headlines out there in the news. But yeah, if you call those and bring them in, then you shouldn't be surprised most of the time that you're going to get the outcomes that you do. And what happens is when the boat's working effectively and everything's running as you expect it, and then the contract comes to an end, you go, great, thanks, guys, and they ride off into the sunset with their multi-million pound package. All of a sudden, the boat comes to a grinding halt again or a very slow move because Bob's left rowing on his own again, because they've made you dependent on the capability, because often what they're not providing is consultancy. They're providing body shopping and providing a facade of what the solution to your problem really is that isn't gonna be a long-term solution. And it's certainly not gonna be something that is endemic to your organization that your people are providing the solutions and the future fixed to, you're still becoming dependent on that external support.
0: Well, I love I love how optimistic you are that they're actually going to leave. <laughs> I- I've yet to see that happen.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, most of the
0: them. time, one- once these organizations, you know, attach themselves like a Remora to, to the host uh, yeah. corporation that brings them in, they're sailing with them, uh, you know, f- for the duration, at least until... Yeah some some courageous new CEO comes in and, and you know, says, gee, you know, why are we paying millions of dollars a year uh, to these people to do a job that we already, you know, it's like, I, you know this. I mean, I've asked this question to to more than one CEO with companies we've worked at. Why do you have, why, why are you paying McKinsey millions of dollars a year to develop strategy when you have 320 people in your org chart who have the word strategy in their job title? There's only two explanations. Yeah. Either you haven't got the right people or you haven't equipped those people with the right tools to make good strategic decisions themselves, or, and I'd be willing to wager it's the latter, you're not listening to your own people. You don't trust your own people. You're not letting your right. own people do the job that you're paying them to do. Yeah. And that is, you know, it, 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 if you're a publicly traded company, and you have a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders, and you've got 320 people on your org chart that you're paying to do strategy development, and you're bringing in McKinsey and paying them millions of dollars a year to do strategy, you, you, are, you are violating your fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders right there.
1: 100%. 100%. And, and it just staggers me. Why aren't you asking your people? Do you not trust those within your organization? These are the people that you've hired that hopefully you've invested in some training for them and they're doing good work. And they've probably got a lot of good suggestions, good ideas, they've probably got a lot of awareness of what's going wrong with the company within it, probably more than you do within your boardroom. So it really beggars belief to me sometimes why these people aren't consulted and asked for their opinions. And often how that manifests is you get your annual pull survey and then all of a sudden morale's down they don't like the feedback. The leadership gets a bashing, and then all of a sudden, oh, everybody's in a turmoil, and we have to put lots of actions in place to be seen to be doing something. Whereas, if you right. just have this constant drip feeding of engagement and toing and throwing of collaborative you know, discourse, then you're going to get gold from your people because they will surface it for you, and they'll bring up the reasons why things aren't working. And if you do things that they disagree with, they will call you out, just like we we're talking about previously about customers calling you out they're doing that because your staff haven't called you out so you can stop that end game happening by just engaging with your people and you'll be amazed that by doing that what you get from it right Right. you do it in a safe effective way everybody has an opinion but people who are working in these places are passionate and you saw this in ford back in the day why was ford employees leaking stuff out to you as a reporter in the local hood, because because, because no one was passionate. listening to them. Exactly, exactly. And they right. were passionate, and they wanted the company change. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And I've told that yeah. story before. Bill Ford asked me, "Why do our employees hate us so much that they're <laughs> that they're leaking this stuff?" To you know, I said, "They don't hate you, Bill. Yeah. They love you." And and the reason they're leaking this stuff because I talk to them every time they call. These people who are so frustrated. These are people who have been trying to get somebody in their department, to get their boss, to get their boss's boss, to pay attention to some problem that's going on in the company, that's sinking the company, and no one's listening to them. And so in desperation, as a, as a last hail Mary, they're picking up the phone, calling the local newspaper, I'm not getting any compensation for this or anything, It's isn't the National Enquirer with a juicy tidbit about you know Jennifer Lopez or something, picking up the phone and saying, you know what, I work in this department, Here's what's going wrong. I will give you the documents to prove it. And I sure hope you put it on the front, front page and shame these guys into taking action because this has been going on for years and no one's doing anything about it. Yeah. That's why people used to leak. And then as you know, Marcus, when Alan Mulally came in and started listening to employees, within six months, I never got another another. All leak. dried
1: up. Yeah. All dried up. Because no
0: people were being listened to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, that's what I found amusing. I've worked in a few banks in my time. And sort of it tickled me, but it also concerned me how there was so pushing on their what the, some of them call it speak up, some other call it whistleblowing. But you know, this whistleblowing line, not an engagement line to give your opinion, it was this secretive. You know, you can speak up and call bad behaviours out. And I was like, why would you need that? Clearly, you do because you're promulgating it and it's been used. But if you have a culture where people are allowed just sounds ridiculous even saying that aloud. What are we at school? You know, where people can just speak up and give opinion and call bad stuff out or provide good ideas to make things better. Why the hell would you not have that as an open line, not a closed whistleblowing line? Because if you are having people whistleblowing, there's a good reason for that. And there's bad behaviors going on that are warranting that requirement to have that capability. But you don't need that. As you said, the way the Alan malali behavior quickly took over. You don't have people whistleblowing. You don't have people running and telling tale to the local reporters. You have people stepping up proudly, having good discourse, challenging the status quo, fed up with how it's always been done because they're seeing things change. People read LinkedIn, people watch what's going on in the world. And if they've been in these organizations 10, 20, 30 years, they know that if we carry on doing the things we've always been doing we are going to die as an organization they absolutely have to evolve and they want to evolve they do
0: people want to to do a good job they want to make their organization successful by and large and oftentimes you know it's it's the 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 consultants that come in these big consultancies in particular are so demoralizing to people every time we talk about this every time we post something on this we both get so much feedback from people who say, you know what, this is what's happening in my company. And it's so demoralizing because we're, we are we already know what to do. We already have a plan. We're not doing our plan. Instead, we're bringing in these jokers in, in their, in their shiny suits, you know, and, 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 you know, peeling the price tags off their laptops and going to work and, you know, fresh out of business school with no experience at all. And, and, and at best telling us exactly what we already know, but slowing us down. And, and you and I, both know this one guy i'm obviously not going to say the name or the company but one of our clients who went through one of our training classes reached out i was having lunch with him you know a few months after he'd been through the training he was telling me how he and his team had come up with this amazing initiative within their company and it it was in using using some of the red team thinking tools had, de- had developed this initiative very disruptive plan outside the box all this good stuff Taking the company into a whole new business unit, a whole new business that that they hadn't been in before. It went to the board. The board said, "This is this is great. This is really exciting. This could be a big money maker for us." But then they they got cold feet and they said, "You know, why don't we bring McKinsey in to look at it though before we invest the money in this?" So they they hired McKinsey. Paid them, I think it was two and a half million dollars. It was what he told me to go and do a year, they ended up doing almost, I think it was 10 month review of this strategy. And went through, at the end of the day, they talked to everyone on his team, spent days with him going over the strategy. And at the end of the day, shocker of shockers, they produced a report saying that they should do exactly what he had proposed doing. With a nice McKinsey logo at the bottom of it though. And the board said, great. And he said, no, not great. Because guess what happened in the last 10 months while we were spinning our wheels, waiting for McKinsey to tell us that the answer we already knew was the right answer was the right answer. Two of our competitors have now gotten into this space. And if we go in now, we're number three and we're not yeah. going to catch up. Got the whole pace. plan failed. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't have time you, for this anymore. Of
1: course you don't. You don't. And they that, don't have the time to help you move fast. No, they don't have, it. it's in their
0: interest. It's all about billable hours, right? Yeah. It's all about billable. If, if your business model is based on billable hours, then yeah. right there, you should know that if the person you're bringing in is getting paid by billable hours, they are disincentivized yeah. to help you execute quickly. They are disincentivized to help you make a decision now when a decision needs to be made, what they are incentivized to do. And what you've incentivized them to do is a leader, is, is drag their heels, slow down your decision-making, be, make your organization indecisive, hold you back from making a decision that needs to be made. Where you put your money is where, you, is where you incentivize people to behave. And that's an important thing for every leader to think about. Let's take a break. When we get back, I want, I want to ask you, Marcus, to talk a little bit about, I know you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out you here. I know you were a consultant for a while. And uh, I'd like to, you to talk about what it looks like from 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 the the, the pointy end of the consulting sphere if mm-hmm. you will. yeah sure. we'll be right back. Hey folks, Bryce here if you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? we have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a Red Team Thinker and what you can do to think more effectively, to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. Welcome back. Well, Marcus, we have been having a great day conversation about uh, consultancies and consultants and uh, as i said before the break you my friend have uh, some experience working with one of the big consulting firms we won't say which one and we won't say where but what is it what does it look like from the perspective of the frontline soldiers in these consultancies if you will
1: yeah it's a great great point advice and it goes back to what you're talking about it's about billable hours and from the perspective of the frontline soldier, and let's just be clear here, we are not bashing the consultants who are out there trying to earn an honest day's living and do good things for their clients. You know, This is the systemic issue of the business model of these large consultancies that's a problem here. But for the individuals, the guys and gals out there on the frontline, they're just trying to do the right thing. And I have been both a consultant leading teams on the ground trying to do that for the best of the client. And I remember when I first went into this consultancy <clears throat> and the number two came in on day one and meets the whole new room and sat down at the front of the room and said, let me be clear, what's the most important thing? And everyone sat there going, you know, revenue and outcomes and she was client first, always. And I reminded her of that as I left and resigned less than 18 months later. And when I asked her what she told us the most important thing was she couldn't even remember. And I said, so I said because that was a lie, wasn't it? I said, it's not client first because that's the reason why I'm leaving now 18 months on because I've been asked to do things that, you know, uh, sway my moral compass, if you will. And I refuse to do it. I'm here to do the right thing by me, by the client. And I've got to look at myself in the mirror each day. And I found that the, the, the individuals at the front line trying to do the right thing often become more client than consultant and sort of, flip sides if you will, because they want to do the right thing by the client. And they're then in that position of being torn and you see the attrition rate, then people either flip across and go perm or they move to a different consultancy where the behaviors hopefully don't match the one they're jumping ship from. And I think that's the sort of dilemma. And this where it goes from what consulting originally was, you know, providing expert advice for financial reward to enable the client to do things better, and what we're tending to see now is body shopping, is the term hmm. where you're not coming in, you you come in on the portrayal of coming in as the expert, but we know they're not the experts. <clears throat> we know they're rolling out the cookie cutter model that they've got they've used from the previous organisation. And I can tell you a story about that in a moment. Tell, tell us,
0: I, tell that story. I, tell I think that, that story that's, now. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I got to one of my first big clients, and they had a beautiful. 50 plus page glossy document of how they were going to be doing what they were doing for their transformation provided by the big consultancy. And we took that and ended up stopping one of the tables wobbling. I think it was that useful. And we went off and did our own thing and made it all work and did it internally. And then four years later, even longer, four or five years later, I was at another big bank in Canary Wharf. And we were talking about what they were doing with their transformation. They had a consultancy in, they didn't tell me who it was. And they said, but they've given us this great document. And they literally gave me this document and I quickly flipped through it and it was a different color and it had their name on the front, but it was the identical document. So I said, you didn't tell me which consultancy it was. So I did the theatrics and I went, I can smell it. This is McKinsey, isn't it? And they went, how the hell did you know that? Folks, and I said, because if you flick to page 13, you'll see this. If you flick to page 32, you'll see this. I said, because that's the same document we had at another bank five years ago. And literally my friends, all they've done is change the color and put your name on the front to make it look like it's your livery. And they were like, what? I said, I don't want to ask how many millions you paid for this, but I will ask, how's it going? And they're like, it, it's a train train wreck. We are in as we quote agile chaos right now and they've been there two years so this is the the issue that we're seeing is this cookie cutter rinse repeat models that then the individuals at the coalface have been asked to deliver and they're seeing the wheels come off and they're seeing the problems and then as you said it's purely then to how long can we survive on the ground before the penny drops and they get rolled off and that big bank we're in now there was another Consultancy in there trying to go up against us last year and they got rolled off later this year and we see this as that sort of cyclical behavior of they'll get away with it for so long and then at some point either as you said an exec comes in and calls it out or something happens and it's just not tolerable from a stakeholder perspective or a publicity perspective as well
0: it's criminal it it, it it is. I, I think it is criminal, and I think it actually might actually be criminal. You know, one of the things that you've you've flagged is you've done a little research and you've seen that there's this interesting correlation between the consultancies used at some of the big companies uh, that that you've worked with in the past and uh, the resumes of senior executives, which shockingly turned out to be alums of that those same consultancies. Mm-hmm. Um
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, nepotism uh, you is know.
1: rife.
0: I, I think nepotism is 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 probably the best way you could phrase it.
1: There's probably something more <laughs> than nepotism going on no, in some polite. cases.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it, it, we need to talk about that over a beer. But without a doubt, there's there's an immoral element to this. Without a doubt, as there is in all industries, we know that. But it's just so. It's infuriating, I guess, when you read about some of the incidents you see on the news and the headlines. And, you know, we saw this with COVID. We saw this with the opioid scandals. Yeah. Saw this. I saw a great one with one of your chap, Senator Josh Hawley, calling out that why is the American government or the American government shouldn't be employing both McKinsey and Deloitte while they are working with Russia and the Chinese militaries? Right. CCP and governments. It was like, where's the, you know, where's the Chinese wall in between those? We can't trust that to happen, and it's been proven where they've been working on both sides in Big Pharma. So as you said, it is right. Yeah, there's just, just something came out
0: in this country that that the same PR agency that's that's doing uh, vaccine awareness programs for the U.S. government is is working for Pfizer and Moderna, and 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 it's just this this type of stuff. These there has to be you have to have some shame about this stuff, you know? And, um, you know, there's an article that I posted on, on LinkedIn, didn't get as much traction as yours, but, um, but got a lot of comments and, and we'll share a link to that as well, where, you know, McKinsey was being called out of, of representing both government regulators and the companies they were regulating in the same industry. I mean, that's just shocking. Exactly. You know, and, you know, I want to say in fairness, I mean, you know, there is, there's a time and a place for this stuff. I mean, like I, I, there, there are times when these companies do add value, but they're the exception rather than the rule. And I'll give you an example. When I used to be a journalist, I was covering the automobile industry. I remember E&Y was commissioned to do a massive study about healthcare in the auto industry. And it was, it was, it was a really valuable thing they produced. What they what they basically showed was, if I recall correctly, was, you know, the the extent to which the American automakers for General Motors and Chrysler were really as much HMOs as they were automakers. They were spending <laughs> that much much of their revenue, of their of their money was going to paying for healthcare and stuff. And it also exposed all of the inefficiencies that were that were that were existing in the in the current healthcare model and stuff. And it uh, it actually spurred General Motors to when Hillary Clinton was running for president to to back her and, and to back uh, you know her call for for uh, for for uh, you know socialized medicine in this country because the 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 report that Ian Y had done had had really just just showed how much money. American automakers were spending more than their counterparts in Europe and Asia where there was socialized medicine taking care of of their workers their families and their retirees. So I mean there you know there's value in that type of thing. Always, yeah. But what there's not value in is doing the job of people you already have working for your company. And that's why we're so careful. That's why we you know people laugh when they when they see this uh, on on my business card or on on my LinkedIn description You know, I always describe myself as an unconsultant, but we're serious about it, right? Because what, you know, we don't come in and tell people what to do. We don't tell, come in and tell people any answers. What we do is we give people tools and techniques that they use, that they can use to find the answers themselves because they know the answers better than anyone outside of a company, of their company or their organization does. Flaps, full stop. And as we've talked about before, I learned this back when I was, was, was a journalist, I have never been in a company, and I have been in a lot of companies, I've never been in a company where there weren't. People in that organization knew exactly what was wrong and knew exactly what needed to be done to fix it. And all they needed was mechanisms in place to create the psychological safety, you know, going back to what we talked about before the break, Mm -hmm. you know, the ability to speak up, the ability to be heard, and the ability for leadership to act on what it was hearing from its own people, not second guess them, not say, well, why don't we get McKinsey in here to tell us if you're really right, but to say, wow, thank you. That's a really good point you brought up. Let's figure out how to implement that idea as quickly as possible. And that's what, that's how leaders need to react because not only is that, not only is that going to give them the, the ideas and insights that they need to, to, to be successful in the marketplace. But it's also going to increase employee morale because, as you said, people want to come to work and feel like they're making a difference. So it's a virtuous circle. It's a virtuous cycle. It, it yields not only the actions that you need to take as an organization, but it improves the culture of your organization, improves the morale of your organization. And that's how you create a high-functioning, successful organization.
1: It is. Absolutely. And you know, for those who think we're all anti-consultants here, you know, we, we have alliances with consultancies who are out there. And there's these... Far more capable focused and really you know client driven consultancies that have I guess sprung out of the baby behaviors of the big ones you know the more people see bad stuff happening at the top, they see a gap in the market for quality and what we are seeing and again you just look on LinkedIn in the news companies are moving away from okay let's go with McKinsey or somewhere else Thank you Siri. And saying, you know, let's look at some of these more advanced, if you will, more modern aspects of the consultants that are in these new type of agencies. And when you go in there, what you find is a lot of the people in there and running them are ex big six, you know, big eight consultants. Because again, they've become frustrated and thought, you know, what? There's a better way of doing this. I don't want to be doing it to the beat of the drum that we're working to this business model. I want to be doing it for the client. And funny old thing, when the client realizes that they're now with new consultancy X versus big consultancy Y, they pull across and the trade follows them because people buy from people, people work with people. And if you can hold that relationship, changing your badge doesn't mean the client will change you. They will stick with you when you go and the main consultant will lose, you know, consultancy will lose that client to the good person who walks out the door and takes the clients with them.
0: Well, I think, I think, uh, Siri has, uh, has decided that, uh, we're out of time here, but this is great advice. Folks, it's real simple. Don't outsource thinking. See you next week.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the thinking leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there. You'll also find a link to our free assessments. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.